Well, there was more positive sentiment around on Friday because there are more signs that perhaps inflation is peaking and prices will start to come down. But if the Fed refuses to respond to that until inflation is back into their target range, the question remains, will they drive a recession in the process? And will the RBNZ be the test case of what happens when a central bank goes hard, even when signs that the economy is weakening are all around them? They're expected to lift rates to 3% this week. It's Monday, the 15th of August, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, equity markets shot up on Friday in the United States, more than 2% for the Nasdaq, 1.7% for the S&P 500, 1.3% for the Dow. So despite a couple of dips last week, the Nasdaq actually finished 3% up and it's the highest close it's had since mid-April. European shares also up quite a bit, up three quarters of 1% for the DAX, for example. Bond yields fell in the United States, down six basis points for 10-year treasuries on Friday, down to 2.83%, but no moves down at the front end of the yield curve, although two-year notes were up four basis points over the week. European yields moved up a little on Friday, up five basis points for 10-year gilts in the UK. Australian 10-year yields were up 14 basis points on Friday, up at 3.42%. And oil prices are down. WTI lost 2.4% on Friday. Brent down 1.5%. Brent is now back down to just over $98 a barrel. The US dollar gained a half percent on the DXY on Friday, but it was down 0.9% over the week. The Aussie dollar climbed 0.2%, even with that rising US dollar uh, and was up 3% over the week last week, now sitting at 71.2 US cents. So maybe we'll touch on the Aussie dollar first of all with Tapper Strickland from NAB in Sydney. Now, I understand the Aussie dollar gaining when the US dollar is falling, when risk sentiment is higher. But on Friday, the Aussie climbing against a rising US dollar, uh, even when we were seeing falls of more than half a percent happening in the euro and the pound, and the Kiwi dollar is doing even better than the Aussie on Friday. So your theory on all of that, please, uh, Tapas, to start. Uh, good morning, Phil. Uh, yes, so the movement in the Aussie dollar, just broadly following that general recovery in US equities that we have seen since mid-June. And actually, when you look at the Aussie, it's now up 5.9% since its mid-July lows and uh, fairly much tracking what has been going on with uh, US equities. And when you look at the US dollar, it has fallen by 2.7% since mid-July. So the Aussie very much outperforming uh, the US dollar since this time. Um, and again, just really tied up with that equity market. Right, sentiment. but we weren't expecting that, were we? So that's sort of showing, well, we weren't really expecting the equity markets to be quite so strong either. But it's it's sent, and, it, and it's not, you know, corporate earnings that are driving that, is it? It's, the, it's this belief that, that things are starting to soften, that maybe we're, we're over the, the worst of it and, uh, you know, and, and perhaps the Fed's not going to go as strong. Is that is that pretty much the sentiment that's driving this? Oh, it really seems to be driven by a trio of events and really stems back to the slightly better than expected earnings season and a lot of people being yeah. positioned for a more disastrous earnings season, particularly from the big tech companies. So people were t- caught by surprise there and so there has been a lot of covering in terms of maybe outright shorts or just people who are un- under positioned in terms of equities yeah and but i mean that going back yeah over the last quarter they're okay but looking forward i mean you know not a very clear picture emerging at all there uh, in- indeed and many companies actually were reluctant to write any guidance at all so most of the reaction was actually yeah. to the historical q2 earnings rather than anything on the forward, forward guidance and then the 
two other factors that have been really helping to drive this equity market rally has been uh, Powell's comments um, stating that the Fed is at neutral. And some took that as a sign that maybe the Fed is willing to pull back a little bit from the pace of rate hikes, um, just given it's going to be closer or is at neutral. And the other one, and we were talking about it last week, is some signs of inflation peaking, especially just given the uh, CPI and PPI numbers and then the import uh, prices that we got on Friday as well, or, or adding to that right. narrative that maybe inflation pressures have peaked uh, peaked or um, and uh, heading down. Um, one caution, though, in terms of that inflation narrative is what's going on in Europe. Uh, when you look at Europe, uh, Europe is not past the peak in terms of inflation. And so the risk is that uh, inflation remains a little bit sticky higher, um, e- even if inflation has, has peaked from here. Um, in terms of the growth momentum, as you're noting before, although um, markets, especially equity markets, have seemed to be rounding on a soft landing in the US, there are still some signs of softness in the US economy. And last week, we did hear from semiconductor companies in the US saying they were warning on revenue um, in Q3 and Q4. And that's in contrast to um, Apple being a little bit more upbeat on, on the outlook. Um, and truckload spot rates are continuing to fall as well. And finally, the other one just ahead of some pretty important data this week, in particular US retail sales, uh, City reported its credit card transactions data, and uh, that fell 1.1% in, in July. So not all into the positive spectrum, um, but at least equity markets are still broadly taking it in, in a positive light. Yeah, but they are alone, aren't they? Because <laughs> it's a very different story in the bond market. We look at the 210 yield spread, it's minus 42 basis points. It did get down to minus 49. It eased off up to uh, minus 34, but it's uh, falling back down again. So that shows there are, uh, at least amongst uh, bond investors, recession concerns, and they're they're not going away because it's been negative since early July. It it does suggest the risk of recession is still relatively high. NAB's call is that the US does experience a mild recession in 23. Um, I think with what we have seen from the Q2 earnings season is it's probably a little bit early to be talking about a recession occurring um, at this very moment, and there's still very good um, uh, prospects of slower activity uh, going ahead in Q3 and Q4 into 2023 as that monetary tightening um, starts to occur. And then in terms of inflation pressures, they do look a little bit more sticky than perhaps what the equity market at least is, is interpreting, uh, particularly just given how tight the labour market is mm. and exactly where wages growth, growth is. And yet they are, obviously, they're looking at things like the Michigan uh, Fed sentiment read and the inflation expectations there. And, uh, you know, the fact that oil prices are coming down, and I think you mentioned the export prices as well, fell 3.3% for import prices. Sorry, for export prices, 3.3%, import prices down 1.4%. So that's another positive sign, isn't it, that perhaps things are evening off? Uh, definitely. Although, just highlighting within that University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment report, the 5 to 10-year inflation expectation actually rose a tenth to 3% against 2.8% expected. Yeah. So it does suggest that although the trend in the data over the past month has been uh, towards some thought that inflation may be peaking, um, that elevated inflation expectation still highlights the risk that it, that too high inflation is sustained and basically and essentially means there's little room for the Fed to ease up on the pace of hikes until they're confident that inflation has uh, in fact, turned. And in fact, those kind of hawkish sentiments were illustrated by the Fed's Barkin as well. And he basically yeah. just stated that he wanted to see a sustained period of inflation coming un- under control. And sustained means uh, multiple months, around two percent. Uh, so, so just on that, I mean, I, I mean, he's saying yes yeah, so for a period of time at two percent. And as you say, the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey is saying five years out, people are still expecting it to be three percent. So that means we could be stuck with uh, great rises, or at least leveling off at a high level for quite some time if we believe those numbers. Oh, in, indeed, and just um, another Fed official who's been pushing back on the prospect of the market pricing in cuts in uh, 
23 there. And then just, just finally, in terms of where the neutral rate is in the US, so markets rallied quite a lot when Powell said uh, the Fed was at neutral. According to Barkin, at least, he reckons there's still more to come until the Fed gets into restrictive territory there. So maybe a little bit of divergence around exactly where neutral is. Well, in the that's going to make well. the Fed minutes later this week a bit more interesting, isn't it, as to actually what was said and, uh, you know, perhaps give us a more of a hint as to what they're going to do next time. Oh, definitely. And most of the Fed officials who have come out have been on the hawkish side and pushing back on yeah. uh, some of the interpretation that markets uh, took away from the post-FOMC press conference. So we'll be looking at that yeah. quite closely. So, um, by the way, just on that Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey, I didn't realise this. Uh, they So, I mean, the, the, the top-line number has gone from 51.5 in July to 55.1 uh, in August. So c- consumer sentiment is, has improved. There is a huge – I wonder how useful this is. There's a huge variation – on the sentiment based on political orientation. So so we've got the Democrats, their consumer sentiment is 68.6. The Republicans are only at 38.1. If you go back to August 2020, when America was in the throes of the pandemic, the Republicans had sentiment at 98.6 and they're down to 38.1. But they had Donald Trump in charge in those days. So uh, now they see things as much worse, but improving slightly on, on, on last month. So, I, I mean... Is it really that accurate, this data? Because clearly there's a lot of politics involved. Uh, Definitely there is some politics involved. And uh, just worth noting that when uh, Republicans tend to be in the presidency, Democrats have fairly poor sentiment and uh, vice vice versa, as you're noting there. So um, I guess that in terms of washes out through the political cycle. But the one thing that I found uh, interesting within that report was that a high income earners are now starting to be hit uh, with large declines in both their current personal finances as well as buying conditions for durables, while lower middle income earners saw improvement in the month. So there had been some notion that um, the middle to high income earners were being a little bit insulated from inflation and were helping to continue to support the US economy, um, while it was really the impact was hitting the lower middle income earners. So this suggests maybe the upper middle and higher income earners are now starting to feel a little bit of the pinch. Um, but of course, that's only one piece of data. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the UK, a 0.1% fall in uh, GDP in the second quarter, down 0.6% in June after a 0.4% growth in May, which was uh, revised down a bit from 0.5%. Uh, but Actually, you can read too much into this, can't you? Because a lot of that drop was health-related because there's less uh, uh, test and trace, less vaccinations. So that contributed to the fall in services, which was the lion's share of that drop. So it wasn't actually that bad a read, was it? I mean, I'm sure there's worse to come. But, uh, you know, if if, uh, if, the, if people were still getting tested for COVID, ironically, that uh, could have been a positive GDP read. Uh, yes, that's definitely one way to look at it. But... I think it's undeniable what the Bank of England uh, kind of forecast for the next two years, which was five consecutive quarters of shrinking (laughs) GDP. So I don't think markets paid too much of attention to that Q2 GDP figure. And indeed, in in the UK, we get uh, more updates for the month of uh, July, including uh, including a number of pieces of data, um, labor market data, CPI on Wednesday, and retail sales on Friday. So we'll get a little bit more update in terms of the pace of growth in, in the UK into Q3. And uh, look, the RBNZ meeting this week as well. Uh, it, is, is the world looking at the RBNZ uh, all of a sudden? Because, you know, there's uh, that, that here is a central bank which really is pushing. I mean, they're going to hit, uh, I mean, could easily hit 3%, couldn't they? As the, uh, the rates could hit that much on Wednesday. Uh, so ahead of the uh, the, the rest of the, uh, the, the central banks, and there are signs that, you know, the New Zealand economy is weakening, but they're still pushing ahead. So I'd imagine quite a few people are looking on, aren't they, and saying, well, let's see what happens next in New Zealand. 
Uh, yes, indeed. The consensus for the RBNZ is for them to hike by 50 basis points to, to 3% and really is being looked as a test case, given they're one mm. of the first out of blocks to hike rates and hike rates relatively aggressively. And their last projections for their overnight uh, cash rate was for a peak of around 4, 4%, so going to well into restrictive territory there. Um, two interesting things with New Zealand is, uh, one, their mortgage market is tends to be a two-year fixed mortgage market. So um, the consumer, in terms of those people with mortgages, are only just starting to feel the pain. Um, so I think the next six months are going to be quite interesting uh, in terms of how the New Zealand economy uh, uh travels um, in terms of the impact of those rate hikes for the consumer. And the other interesting one is that closed international border that they did have um, has started to open up and there has been some flows across that uh, towards Australia there. So even with perhaps slower activity um, due to tightening monetary policy, you could still have a fairly tight labour market there. Yeah, well, most of the stuff is happening later on in the week, isn't it? Although a few things today. So the Empire Fed manufacturing number in the United States, for example, I mean, that'll be interesting. But it's the services numbers we want to see, isn't it? We want to see how quick the service sector is returning to normal in the United States. Uh, yeah, so the Empire Fed manufacturing is tends to be a second tier data point, but uh, will continue to be watched relatively closely just to see what the growth momentum is there. Mm. Um, and also in China, we get some um, activity data as well. So we'll be looking at that quite closely in terms of uh, retail sales, industrial production, and fixed asset investment, um, especially just given the PMIs that we did get out of China for the month of July were weaker than expected. Yeah, and uh, GDP for Q2 for Japan, which is expected to temp positive uh yes as uh you got a bit of a bounce out of all those uh covid headwinds that they had back in q1 all right very good well we'll see what uh we'll see what it, uh the week brings us and the aussie dollar going to stay strong this week do you think you'd have to say there's not too much on the radar until wednesday um so you may uh, not get too much volatility until wednesday and uh on wednesday just to repeat we get the fmc minutes and uh, u.s retail sales and also uh, earnings from a number of u.s retailers to give a bit of a update on the health of the consumer there yeah and aussie wages of course on wednesday and then the employment numbers on thursday as well uh, busy week uh, good to talk tapas cheers uh, thanks Phil. so if you're a glass half full per- sort of person you, tr- you trade in equities if you're glass half empty trade in bonds is that the message we're, we're seeing right now i don't know uh, look back again tomorrow morning with another edition of the morning call i'm phil dobby for now see you then have a great day